Hey, I'm Sadie. And I'm Zamie. And this is I Ain't Got Time to Read, a podcast for color folks who have considered doing the readings, but the time of the day wasn't enough. This season, we'll discuss the book Sick and other essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom. So, Tressie states that at age 11, her body started changing and that her mother could no longer leave her alone at the bus stop. What age did your body no longer allow you to exist in the world as a child to other people, especially men? Mm. Yeah, this is such a great question because I remember very vividly being a kid and I was probably in fourth or fifth grade when my father started telling me that I'm not allowed to wear certain types of clothing. I had some jeans Mm. and he would just call them my tight jeans. And he was like, you can't wear those out of the house. You can't wear those to school. Um, And I was kind of like, okay, I won't wear them to school. But then I just wore them around the house because they were my clothes. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't have clothes that I don't wear. That doesn't make any sense. And so Mm -hmm. he then told me that, you know, I was just in my room playing that I wasn't allowed to wear those pants because they're too tight. (sighs) Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there was only like a couple pairs of pants that I would wear from then on out. And yeah. So, so father was the first guy that was like, nope, not happening. What was your thought process when he told you that? Like what went through your mind? I was, I remember being annoyed. I thought it was dumb that, you know, clothes could be too tight to wear because to me they fit on my body. Like they were, they're my pants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was much older where I realized that he was sexualizing a child and how creepy that was, like looking mm-hmm. back on it. But mm-hmm. at the time, I was just kind of annoyed and I was like, okay. But he had always been very picky about what I wore and how I dressed and just like how I operated in the world. So it was just kind of like another thing. Um, wow. So I didn't read as much into it as I would have if he had treated me differently that makes sense oh like this is just like oh this is same old same old or like another one of your things not like wow this came out of left field what does this mean you're so you're usually not like this exactly yeah Uh, interesting you know sometimes uh, we don't have to keep this in there in here but sometimes when you talk about your dad it reminds me of my dad, but because I didn't, like, we didn't live under the same roof, mm-hmm. it shows up a little bit differently. So sometimes when I hear your stories, it reminds me of how my life would have been even harder if we lived under the same roof. Mm. That's exactly why I never wanted to live with him, because I know I'd be miserable, but yeah, yeah, that's hard. You didn't deserve that. Yeah, no, no kid does, really. And I, yeah. I'm sure there are tons and tons of other, I mean, I know there's tons and tons of other stories out there just like that. It's mm-hmm. not new, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, this is, uh, this is a powerful question. Um, I think, uh, 
I was no longer allowed to exist as a child. Hmm. I think it's hard for me to gauge that moment because ever since I was very young, like I've always been a shapely child, like even as a toddler, even as a baby. Mm. And so my body has always been commented on public publicly often it's just like was a topic of discussion but none of that really registered to me until much later so I don't I, I don't think I got the the I started to get my body like heavily policed number one when I started to um like get bigger Mm-hmm. Like gain, like gain weight. Um, I was like more, I guess more petite. I don't think I've I've ever been like thin, but I think I was more petite. And then when I started to gain weight, that's when my body started to be policed. So I became more aware of my body because people would essentially make these comments of like, "Hey." you are you have such a nice body shape if you lost weight like essentially don't ruin your opportunity you have such a a nice body shape that you need to lose weight to 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 take advantage of that um and that has happened for so long that it's hard for me to really name a number but Mm -hmm. um when my dad came so my dad was incarcerated until i was about 10 a little bit before I was, I turned 10. And that was the first time that somebody policed my body in such a, uh, man. Uh, so the words that come to mind, and I wish I had softer words, are such a cruel way or, or just like a harsh, critical way. So very much the, like, your pants are too tight. That's too little. Why'd you wear that? He would buy me clothes that were way, way, way too big for me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I had to give a number, I'm going to say maybe around, maybe around a 10, 11, kind of like Tressie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it just seems so young, looking back. So So, like fourth grade, fifth grade, still in elementary school. You know exactly, exactly. And what do you know about the world in elementary school? Exactly, nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the next question we have on our study guide is uh, we deal with the, we deal and experience the pain of being undesirable. How do we overcome this pain? And is it something that we should embrace? And this is specifically referring to a skit that Tressie mentions in this essay that uh, Leslie Jones performs on Saturday Night Live about being undesirable. Mm. Yeah, um, I thought it was important that she brought up 
She brought up Leslie Jones because I remember that moment when she was being so publicly ridiculed. Mm-hmm. And I really felt for the for her, especially when she was, you know, that affects people, you know. So when she was kind of uh, torn down by the comments that were being made and, and her just kind of her coming on TV saying, like, I'm just essentially like trying to enjoy my life and do good work. And I'm being called these horrible names and being compared to um, primates and stuff. And I think that number one so it it is harmful it does I think it hurts our feelings I think in those moments though we ultimately have to come back to our home base and know that sometimes you will be undesired for for reasons that have long-reaching legs in in history um or sometimes people just personally don't desire you or you know, and not even necessarily sexually, but even like maybe friendship wise or sometimes people are just mean because of their own stuff. And I think we all have to craft a place within ourselves that we make sure that just because somebody else or something else, some space doesn't desire us, that we have space for us, we desire us and we don't ever self-abandon. And I think with that, also having at least one good person that could help help you remember that you are a worthy human being because it is painful. And I think that we we do need that. Like you also need some external person too because we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Wow. I just want to say that was an amazing response. That was so perfect. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love what you said. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, agree with everything. And I, I love when you say, you know, you have someone external to yourself because mm-hmm. that is important. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of the feelings of uh, being undesirable that I feel they're always external sources. So if you do like, have you said, like you said, have a home base where you can like go and convey those feelings and then be mm-hmm. reassured. It is really helpful and grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I was so happy for Tressy, the author, because there's this moment um, where she, I, I want to say for the first time she felt desirable. And it wasn't until she was in college, she's describing this experience where, oh man, I don't know how to explain this concisely. Uh, let's see. No need, don't worry about that. Okay. So she described an experience in elementary school um where the class was watching a movie and one of the white kids is you know making a fuss about one of the actresses being really attractive and being you know a little cheeky we'll say cheeky and the teacher is just kind of even though it's not appropriate for the class the teacher is just like oh the whole boys will be boys it's cute that you're interested in her because she um you know uh, met those standard European basic beauty ideals. Mm-hmm. And Tressie was in her mind thinking that, oh, I am not that actress and therefore undesirable. But to later to go on in life and have a moment where she felt that so profoundly, mm-hmm. I was like, yes, it's so good to get that. And everyone 
needs that. Sadly, we do live in a very, very superficial world. And so to have mm-hmm. those external validations and those little moments um, mm-hmm. can be really gratifying and they can help boost your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do agree. You do have to, you have to know yourself and be proud of yourself first. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a space. But mm-hmm. I think also too many too many people act like you can only do it by yourself. Like you don't need nobody, just mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not even how we're wired though. That's not real. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not a reptile or something. You're not a turtle where you're born from an egg and you got to figure it out. <laughs> right. Like it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's important. You need those. You need those moments. Yeah, you do. Um, okay, so next question says, if I knew to be cautious of men, I did not learn early enough to be cautious of white women. Often the communities that raise us, the media we consume, and the world we navigate tells us of the vulnerabilities that come with womanhood. Um, higher risk of sexual assault, physical violence, etc. But little is said about the need to be cautious of the violence that white women can inflict. If you knew then what you know now, what warning would you give yourself? Oof. This is a great question. Mm-hmm. Multi-piece. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I fully grasp how violent white women are until I was much older Mm. like I could feel it and I felt uncomfortable in certain situations and I knew that I was uncomfortable but I didn't understand it it wasn't until maybe even that I moved to Portland when I was 24 and was suddenly in so many spaces with like that fake woke whiteness and I oh like it all makes sense now um so it was and it's difficult for me because my mother is white my grandmother is white and I respect them a lot but even they inflict violence on me um of course unintentionally because lack of knowledge but there have been so many conversations that I'm willing to have with them Mm-hmm. that I'm not willing to have with, say, my white uh, female co- women co-workers or mm-hmm. just people that I'm out interacting with um, in different community spaces. Um, so it's difficult to navigate, um, but I've kind of been firm about my boundaries, whereas I will help and I will like educate the people closest to me, but I will not do the work for any other white woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a tough boundary uh, to uphold because you want to even if it, you want to be nice and correct someone there's still always going to be um, a backlash in my experience there's always a backlash mm-hmm. when I try to help so I've kind of just taken a step back Yes, I definitely agree with you. Um, Especially when you say doing the work. I feel like the work is like trademark. 
And then also the the backlash part. It's like, I think also in my experience, there has not been a single time when I've tried to, to do this with white people in general, but also white women specifically, but most specifically the quote unquote woke black, oh, woke or liberal white woman that, mm-hmm. that you don't get punished on the back end. Because I think whenever you challenge whiteness, it's not even challenge whiteness. Whenever you, you try to get white people to see what whiteness is, but I tell you this, there is a there, mm-hmm. It comes with a cost that I think is never worth it. But I keep having to learn this this lesson the hard way. Again, especially with the liberal, woke white woman, that it's not real. Mm-hmm. That white women are white first, second, last, <laughs> and then maybe somewhere in between. <laughs> there are women or even human beings, if I you know, if I were to go that far. Um, yeah, I've had many, many, many uh, emotionally violent moments with white women. And I feel like I've seen them up close time and time again. And white women are often very vicious, very nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to be violent in a way that is that goes undetected because they do have the benefit of um, white women, white woman innocence and gentility that I think people don't, um, yeah, they, they, get the, they get the benefit of always being innocent to some capacity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it scares me because there's something about that I need to believe about human beings and us being able to see beyond like our the constructs and our stories. But sitting and talking with white people again, specifically white women, shows me that that is not worth it. That is treacherous work. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell myself, and I'm telling myself, I'm about to stand in the mirror and tell myself, because I still, to some extent, like you said, I don't do the work in a way that I have in the past, but I'm literally on a panel next month to talk about uh, white allyship. And I'm talking about white privilege. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm trying to brace myself for what may follow and right. what and how I'm going to react. So I still do the work. I just don't do it in an intimate, well... I'm trying to divest from doing it in an intimate way, meaning sitting down with folks, sitting down with folks like one on one. But I would tell myself that uh, don't be so focused on trying to deconstruct the world that is, which is, you know, white supremacist, patriarchy, capitalism, and put more energy in creating the world that I want to exist because uh, it's it's not worth it and it's part of the game to be preoccupied with um, trying to get white people to understand whiteness, not fucking worth it. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. That is such a good point. Yeah, because yeah. it is um, a time suck, an energy suck. And yeah. ultimately, they can just opt out. They can just yes! I'm good. Thanks for trying. Yes! 
Yes. Um, yes. Um, and that does happen. Somebody's just like, oh, it's, it's too much. And then just like, just go back to your life. And like, no consequences. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, such a good point. You'll have to let me know how that panel goes. That sounds... You're so good at public speaking events and things like that. I know it's going to be amazing. So, oh my God. Thank you so much. I am trying to embrace that because um, I just thought that I wasn't, I thought I wasn't great at like communicating or doing like speaking events or speeches and stuff. But lately, I've been doing so many projects and people like, you, Imani, just like other people are like, oh, wow, you're so good at this. You're so good at this. So I'm trying to uh, just embrace that. And even as I listen to our podcast back, I'm like, wow, I am not nearly as incoherent as I thought I was. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are literally the most like thought out and well-versed person I personally know. I'm just like what you don't believe this in yourself yeah I listen to the podcast girl the way oh you speak God. is so beautiful oh yes. my God. thank you so much of course thank, oh thank you yeah. yeah I consider this time of my life like uh, you know word to Paolo Freire the uh, pedagogy of the oppressed mm-hmm. I, I consider this time of my life coming into voice so I've been trying really hard so I really appreciate that Thank you for what was that question earlier about uh the just like having the the person that like helps remind you of who yeah, you are external person. Yes, thanks for being that person for me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Um all right, so getting a little personal. Ooh. So tell me about your physical preferences and a partner. Are they rooted in white beauty ideals? And do you think it's possible to grow up in what Bell Hooks calls white supremacist capitalistic patriarchy and form preferences outside of this socialization? Mm. I think that it is impossible to be totally uninfluenced by that socialization because that's how we our concept of self is formed Mm -hmm. I think we do have some natural inclinations but it's very much shaped by the world that we are that we grow up in so I don't I don't think that you can be totally uninfluenced by that or like in the book that Tracy says like basically your preferences are bullshit Mm -hmm. if you think that they aren't rooted in these things uh, I think much to my dismay, to some extent, they are rooted in white supremacist capitalistic patriarchy because I just had to recently upset, uh, accept this, and like I do not want to admit this, but this is about you know authenticity, vulnerability. But I am attracted to people who are lighter than me, mm-hmm. even though I see people who are my my skin color and darker and I think oh my god so gorgeous especially and this is probably rooted in something else but especially when people have that like dark smooth skin it's just like oh my god you look like art but um 
when I talk about attraction, I've I've always liked like skin contrast. And so I, I do like people that are lighter than me. Not necessarily like, you know, a ton of shades lighter than me, but um I think that has something to do with I think it has something to do with the black beauty standards that are shaped in white supremacy. So you know, like the colorism hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And nose, I'm like a big nose person. And so I like uh, people with like a stronger bridge or like a straighter nose, not necessarily what we think of as like a a white person's nose, like a white person's quote unquote cute nose, not like the mm-hmm. the one with the big. It's not necessarily that type of nose, but I don't I don't like a rounded nose without a strong bridge, and I don't know that that doesn't have some kind of roots. And uh, again, a beauty standard that has roots in white supremacy, even though my the ideal type of feature is not like a, a nose you typically find on a white person's. Um, those are the, so that's, that's pretty much as far as it goes physically, but also I, I like, uh, when, you, when we talk about the capitalism part, I think I like people who present like I think middle class as in not only as far as like income but like educationally. Mm-hmm. And I think that has something to do with social positioning right. and who is value under the system of white supremacist capitalistic patriarchy. Um yeah, so it's definitely some things there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. You're very, very specific. The nose. Like, okay. Yes, because I thought about these things before because I'm always like, he colonized my mind. No, that's super important. I remember being um, a young teenager and always saying, like, oh, there's no way I can marry a black man because I could not do black hair. Like, if I had a child oh. with a black man, I couldn't, couldn't figure out how to do it. And I say that uh-huh. in that most annoying valley girl voice because I look at my life now, I'm like, shut up. You're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know exactly why. I was socialized to believe that somehow, it, like, I knew it would be more difficult to have children with a black person based on everything going on in the world, everything that um, just how the world is against black people, especially black men. So I knew it would be difficult. And I don't know if me saying there's no way I could deal with a black child's hair was a part of that aspect, or I really was just in a really, really young ignorant mindset um so I've, I've definitely had those thoughts in the past that I've had to work myself out of and just mm-hmm. step away and be like okay that's not that's not even realistic um and it was also during a time when I wasn't like taking care of my natural curls either so mm-hmm. it it all it all played into that um but my physical preferences I have a 
a, a weird tendency to back to bounce back and forth between dating a white person and then dating a black person and then going back and dating a white person <laughs> and dating, I don't know why literally one and one like yeah. a like a tennis match that's literally funny. a tennis match because I date a white man I'm like wow y'all are annoying y'all are ignorant y'all like fetishize me and then I date a black man and I'm just like wow you are arrogant and you think you deserve the world and I don't know why you're not worshiping me. Betty. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> um, That's very Sadie. Yes. Why don't you worship me? I love exactly. it. Exactly. It's so mean. I love it. Yes. And I was, uh, this is another story. I'll tell you later. But okay. so I go back and forth and I have these frustrations with both mm-hmm. sides. And ultimately, I think I realized this maybe in the last couple of months that the person I felt safest with dating, and I mean, like physically and mentally, because it is stressful for me as a mixed person to date someone that only identifies as white and only identifies as or only identifies as black, because I can I exist in both spaces and I cannot be either or mm-hmm. even though I call myself a black woman mm-hmm. I'm still not black enough when I date black men and I'm not white enough when I date white men so mm-hmm. like the safest I felt with a partner has been dating another person that is mixed and mm-hmm. so I think lately my preferences are also leaning towards dating people of mixed descent because of that like limbo land that we just naturally exist in uh, mm. it just feels better to me but this is literally I'm like 28 almost 29 years old to finally be figuring out that space instead of mm-hmm. just bouncing around and being like oh well maybe I like you no maybe I'll try you <laughs> like it feels weird to be this old and finally like being at this place where I'm like ah okay this is actually what I want this makes more sense I first say like the world will have us think that we have to exist on these timelines and have these markers of like you're at this age you should have this figured out and I think life is just circular and it's about an unfolding so I mm. mean I don't think that 28 29 whatever like I've, I've learned stuff about myself even yesterday that I didn't know before and I just think that's very normal yeah I know in the past so it's super interesting that you share I know a, a, a while ago you had shared that uh Something similar, but I don't think we were talking about dating. You were talking about your closest friends. Mm-hmm. How um, something in you would kind of... You allowed yourself... I don't say this in a judgmental way, so I don't really know how to phrase this question. Um, but you allowed yourself to be closest to people who either were also mixed or kind of racially ambiguous or, mm-hmm. or like Latina, kind of like... Um, because it felt just safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's kind of in that same, the same uh, uh, line, right? Exactly. Yep. That's yeah. absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen mixed race people. I've seen mixed race people do one of two things often. Either partner with other mixed race people. So it's like, hey, listen, we all exist as the, like you said, the in-between. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or people partner with somebody that idea uh, identifies as fully blank. So then they could say, okay, well, you know, like say somebody's half black, half white, partner with a full black partner just to say like, okay, cool, we're, we're a black couple, we're a black family, our kids are black, just to kind of yeah. pick a side. So mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, yeah. So because especially like white and black dynamics, I think are especially like polarizing. Mm-hmm. You have to find your belonging outside of race. What do you mean? So I think if we think of like the, the groups we belong to, like it's easy for me to say like, I'm a black woman. Now, I say that with some hesitancy because I'm a specific type of Black woman, which, whatever, we are not a monolith. But um, I don't feel uneasy about classifying myself as Black or woman or some of the obvious things that we classify ourselves as. So if you know that, like, hey, I don't wholly identify as either or, do you try to emphasize other parts of yourself to to like find your identity group? Like, uh, this is really stupid because I can't think of a better idea. But like, I'm an English speaker, or mm. I can't think of a better example. Mm. That's actually not a bad example, though. Especially living in Germany now, I do kind of exist differently, and I do feel. Mm not othered but just kind of like I do belong to a, a slightly separate group because I don't I'm not fluent in German um mm-hmm. so that is interesting I have been thinking more of myself as I, I think English speakers are such a better way of saying American well for me I am American yeah. and English speaker but I was like oh well I'm American I'm not German you know that that's kind of how I was presenting myself to the world but I uh-huh. English speaker it's got a much better better tone to it yeah, um, also have to claim America. Right, exactly. Win-win. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't think I would have gotten to that point if I had not left the U.S. Oh, got it. Got it, yeah. got it. I don't think I would have, that would have ever come to me as existing mm. as a separate thing besides race. Okay, I have one more question. Go for it. So when you see like non-binary folks kind of advocate for this, like destroying the the binary or uh, I don't know, things of things of, things of that nature, mm-hmm. do you see yourself in any of that? Even if you don't identify as non-binary, do you identify with the the line of thought of like these we shouldn't exist at the polls yes absolutely Ah. absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. because i don't think anyone we tell ourselves that oh we're white we're black and that we are like no one exists at the polls we exist in between everybody's in the soup in the mix like So yeah, absolutely. I anyone that's just like we're not one or the other. It's always yeah. a, a range, a spectrum, something. Yeah. Like, yes, this is what makes sense in my brain. Why does it not make sense in other people's brains? Yes. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to that movement. I think it speaks to the ways in which like when we make more space, when we advocate for more space for ourselves and others who are like us, we start to open up space for people who are not maybe even our direct, um, like our direct target. Um, yeah, I just think it speaks to the the necessity of making space for all of us mm-hmm. in the way that we see fit. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Tracy says, internalizing your inferiority is violent. In what ways have you internalized inferiority? What are you willing to let this moment to not inflict that type of violence on yourself? Mm, this is deep. Yeah. This is such a good question because I think there are so many ways as I've just grown up, I've felt inferior. Mm-mm so many different ways right so Mm -hmm. at this point in my life I feel (laughs) inferior in my job like I'm not good enough to uh, be doing this work like I'm not good enough to sit and qualify for a certification exam Um, Mm -hmm. when I was younger didn't feel like I was beautiful enough because I had curly hair and I was brown and I you know it was frizzy and it was you know, I don't know. I was just existing as a kid um, yeah. using cheap shampoos that my mom bought and just yeah. feeling. <laughs> I should not call her out like that. <laughs> but we've all been like, when you get older, you buy your own stuff. You're like, wow, I can't buy 89 cent shampoo. It doesn't Thank do you. good things. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, what was my yeah. mother doing? She yeah. was buying shampoo for white kids, essentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to save a buck. Not on the hair. Not on the hair. Um, <laughs> I can't risk it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, just not feeling like my body shape was right for like what to be desirable by these little boys that I was talking to, you know, like at each stage of my life, there's been a new level of inferiority. And most often it is based on, oh. it's based on this whole system of not feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm enough. And that is direct. Um, it's because of society. It's what I've been socialized to. It's, you know, what we watch, what we see, what we ingest. Um just having these moments where an external force is like, oh, you're not good enough. But for some other reason, these people are. Um, Mm -hmm. And we know that it's white white supremacist patriarchy. Um, Yeah, even feeling inferior as a woman compared to men, the number of guys, I shouldn't go down this road, but I know people that love to make the argument that men are stronger than women. And it's just like, oh, God. you enjoy that. Like you, you go enjoy that thought and this belief because I know that you are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so it's, as I've gotten older, I've been able to work out a 
lot of it, but your life always changes. So there's always new moments of feeling inferior um, and mm-hmm. beating yourself up, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think having a therapist has helped with a lot, a lot of that. Having, mm-hmm. you know, someone I can just be like, okay, these past three weeks, I felt like this, this, and this. And being able to sit down with someone and say, okay, why? Like, what was what was triggered by that? What causes this? And someone that can, like, walk you through, like, okay, what you are successful in these areas. You mm-hmm. are capable. So having that, it's been great. Um, just like you said earlier, having someone to talk to you that's just friends. Like, having those mm-hmm. conversations and realizing that we as people are not really inferior. This is just a made up concept to make us feel bad about ourselves, to to make us buy things, to make us not pursue our dreams so that other little white men can go snatch up what belongs to us. I want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think it's it's very difficult. I think it is a daily... um, a daily goal to overcome that and I I don't know if like there will ever be a moment of just like it's fine we're good we are mm-hmm. enough but I hope I hope to get to that point one day or else mm-hmm. get really close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow very well said very well said and shout out to the vulnerability man so, so much of it resonated with me um and I think a lot of it, oof, um, I think I've internalized my inferiority. So much of it, number one, has roots in childhood. Um, I think having been, I just want to offer a trigger warning really fast. Okay. Um, I won't go into detail about anything. But um I think having been number one physically violated so early and so often, but also being like uh, emotionally violated <laughs> uh, always made me feel like I was inferior and like there was something Well, the word that comes to mind, and I know this is such a strong negative word, but feeling defective because I was so emotionally harmed by things that didn't seem to necessarily bother other people. So I just always felt like I'm too sensitive. I'm too sensitive. I'm too sensitive. So um, it's been a lifelong journey to like honor myself. Well, I didn't expect to get emotional, but um, in like honor who I am. And not dismiss what I feel and think you're being too sensitive. Like, get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think for a lot of reasons, but particularly capitalism uh, socializes us to um, power through and get it done, get whatever thing done, no matter what. And in that way, it encourages us to um, really dehumanize ourselves Um all under the under the 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 guise of like I got like I I get the work done I come through no matter what I work hard Mm. and then ultimately when you start to kind of pull the strings behind that and look behind that it's ultimately about like you said making white men 
making white men money, even if it's not in a direct way, even if, if I'm at home and I'm a child and somebody's telling me you're being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. If I look at the layers behind that, it's maybe a parent who is who doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to help me process my emotions because they have two and three jobs and they need me to be okay because they have to to do what they have to do to pay the bills and then who are they working for and who ultimately benefits. And I think the system of uh, white supremacist, capitalistic patriarchy becomes a culture that keeps us suspended in not feeling good enough so that we do more, aka produce more labor mm-hmm. for our own benefit and and that we always feel that we are lacking something so that the answer capitalism presents is, oh, simply go buy this. Right. And the promise that we could be protected from all that and safe if we had a quote unquote strong paternal figure to keep, to, to give us shelter and protection. But a lot of times that manifests as domination and control. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think all these systems create a culture that keeps us in the space of not feeling good enough. And I am willing to, I want to let that go. I'm willing to remind myself that I am good enough and we are good enough every day and that I'm not a machine. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I, read, I heard something the other day that said, he said, all of life is practice. So that has helped me to go back to that because whenever I was in therapy, my therapist would always talk about like, this is practice, you know, building a practice, a practice. Mm-hmm. And so it helps take the pressure off feeling like I have to arrive at this moment. And it's like, I'm just practicing, you know, I'm practicing some, some grace, some compassion, some self-love. Some, even in when we feel like we're not good enough in our professional lives, like, okay, I don't have to be quote unquote good enough. I'm just practicing. I'm practicing. I'm better than I was yesterday or today. I wasn't, you know, necessarily better than I, I was yesterday. But then, then again, this is not linear. This is circular and I'm just practicing. So, yeah. I love that. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And such good points too. Yeah. Mm. It is just practice. It's practice. It's practice. And especially also, the, it's not linear. It's, that, yeah. I have to remind myself that a lot. That's such a good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have to climb the ladder and 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 also people who are in these spaces, a lot of times when you really talk to them, they feel the same. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, we got to opt out. We have to remember that we're human beings and also make sure that we're making space for joy. And yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next question. So Tressie says that femininity as frictionless consumption. So beauty can be physical of the personality and even manner, mannerism. Mm-hmm. Have you overemphasized or minimized aspects of yourself while trying to access beauty? 
Um, totally. Yes. Um, I learned very, very, very early that um, so there's a part of me, like when I talk, when I think about my personality, uh, not that it's binary, but there's a part of me that's like very warm, um, values connection, uh, can be very just like welcoming and maybe kind. There's also a part of me that is uh, very smart, a uh, very snarky. Um, uh, maybe frank, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I man, I don't like to be as sarcastic as I once definitely did. But I, I like I like a little snark, a little a little sharpness, a little, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I, I learned very early on, I used, to get in, <laughs> I used to get in trouble a lot for, well, not a lot. I didn't get in trouble a lot, but when I did get in trouble, it was mostly because I said something slick, aka talking smart. Mm-hmm. And so I learned, I learned to retain that down very early, not only because of home life, but also just like in the world, people responded so much more positively when I was like, smiling and happy and like wow and like everybody let's grasp hands and let's do this (laughs) yeah so for a very very long time I did not oh also I had like definitely not anger issues but a side of me that like basically I could get knuck if you buck (laughs) yeah and I I I tapped that out of me a long time because uh, in my household, it was like I specifically because I I was often so like sweet and stuff. It was like I couldn't be mad, so mm-hmm. I thought that anger was or or these stronger emotions were bad. And when I showed up in that, it made me bad. So actually, in this round of therapy that I have, my most recent round of therapy that I went through, I had. Um, it was about me getting more in touch with that because I realized I have lived so much of my life in freeze mode. So sometimes when people would do something that would violate my boundary, it wouldn't register. So I could not react really until mm-hmm. months or sometimes even years later. And by that time, I'm pissed off. But then I would uh, try to work through it by myself because I felt like, oh, my God, that was so long ago. I would look crazy bringing that up. Um, so these days I've been trying to make more and more uh, space for it, for that part of me um, and being able to, like, respond in a moment, not react, but respond in a moment. But also welcome in the space of me that, like, I mean, I'm going to be honest. If need be, I will, like, headbutt somebody or, like, <laughs> bite somebody's ear or something like something like pretty violent just learning to hold space for that too and like that that is so important in self-love and not trying to like close off these parts of yourself because you feel like that is bad you know Mm -hmm. yeah so and it's been fun I still am, am trying to like learn how to challenge channel that in a correct way but just even holding my space to acknowledge these thoughts of like yeah uh I just I I love myself so much more when I'm able to do that 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, how about you? That makes sense. Oh my gosh. Um, the hidden violence. The hidden violence. No, I'm just <laughs> because in the past, I would wait till it got so bad that yeah. usually I would leave before I got to the. Okay, I'm about to like. I'm about to go off. But there are times where I would like snap and I feel no remorse. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. dark. So I don't. I don't like to get to that point. So I have better tools now and I'm, pr- I'm practicing using better tools, but also welcoming me like, hey, listen, I'm a human being, like a full human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. No. I mean, you know me. I am I do. very I do. aggressive. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've chilled out as I've gotten older, but I definitely had anger issues <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, I was able to get away with some things because I look like a child. Mm. Um, I look very young and mm-hmm. people often, uh, they perceive me to be something that I am not. So I can Ooh. get away with some things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I can be very unfeminine, very unladylike, very easily. But as I've mm-hmm. gotten older, I've chilled out. And okay. it's, it's not okay. as bad anymore. But I do, I I still think in my personal life, I am very cautious with what I say because I have very strong feelings on political ideals, on just uh, feminist issues. I, I have very strong opinions. And I'm learning this as I'm making new friends here that I haven't had any issues because I have not been as uh, with people I know I have a tendency to be very forward and aggressive with Mm. my beliefs, especially Uh if they don't share them with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so I am... In a way, I have been minimizing myself uh, when I meet new people because I don't want to scare them or fight them. So I, it's, I don't know. I have not learned to manage that aspect of my, I don't even want to say manage. Carol? Uh, yeah, just to channel the energy to not expect people to carry the same beliefs as I do, even though I think all my beliefs are rooted on um, just uh, common sense. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the worst. I'm the worst. But I, I do still do that um, so that I appear uh, more likable and nicer and yeah so i have kind of regressed instead of progressed in that area oh you think so yeah i mean people appreciate it especially in the work con content i'm not cussing people out anymore so that's that's oh you know that is gross yeah i'm using the the kelly hand from insecure that is gross Exactly. It is. It is. Sure. But um in my personal life, not so much. I will Okay, 
let me can I comment? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think shout out to the self-awareness, but also I think that number one, I always respect the fact that you are yourself. I really respect that. But I think, like you said, as you go older, you learn when to to lean into that and and maybe and lean out of that. I think we all have to learn that. Mm. But um, I think you're doing a really good job because you still are very clear on what you believe and you're able to like really stand in that, which I think is always commendable. But you're always you're also able to, I think, to be flexible and letting somebody else. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I want to say that, like, number one, I respect and um, uh, honor you as a human being, and I think that you have grown a lot in maturity of not just going off because mm-hmm. because that's what you do or like what you're doing in this moment, and like, so what? Deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think growth. And it only like makes me respect who you are more. Um, also, I realized with me and you talk, even when we don't agree, we're able to have a conversation about it. And I think that's because I'm gonna be honest. I think because there's a degree of respect yes. of me as a human being. Yes. I think facts, absolute facts. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes, for you <laughs> maybe don't respect somebody as much you go in the fuck off so maybe right. yeah maybe that's the, the key of like I don't know like I'm not gonna release it all the way on you because I know you're a human being I can respect your humanity but I don't necessarily respect your ideals or anything beyond that and, and putting your like boundaries and that yeah point of it all is I think that you've grown a lot and you've emphasized the the like, I was gonna say more loving parts of you, but I mean that in like a like an externally loving way. Like I think you're more graceful. I think you I think you extend more grace. Um, and I just but I like I also respect the fact that you 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 are yourself. Like I just I have a respect and a, a appreciation. There we go about for who you are. There. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Really yeah. appreciate that. So sweet. And I think you're a thousand percent res- uh, correct on the level of respect. Because yeah. for me, I think it just takes a really long time. Like I don't grant respect to people instantaneously. <laughs> it takes it takes a very long time. So to get to that point. I think I need to take a little bit of that though, because I think I automatically give people too much mm. of reverence. So number one, if if they regard me with contempt, number one, my feelings are extra hurt. But then mm-hmm. underneath that, then I'm pissed off and I'm like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. And so I think I need to number one from the get go. I always believe in respecting people's humanity, but also allowing people to show me like hey, I deserve this much space or don't. So I'm, I'm actually going to, like, channel that more. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try to extend my respect more. Girl, you couldn't even get it out. It's fine. <laughs> we got a little off topic. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, that's true. But th- that was good. Yeah. That was good. Oh, but that kind of brings up 
this is still not really 100% on topic, but still kind of on topic. It always, so it's so weird. Like, so I've told you stories about my father. Yes. But he would always tell me, he would uh, say very clearly, like, Sadie, the woman's place is to lead the household. Women are the ones that should be running things. Women are the ones that should have it together. He was like, I should not be leading this household. Your mo- I mean, he was very rude. He was like, your mother doesn't clean the house. Your mother doesn't take care of you properly. Your mother is not doing anything she's supposed to be doing. But she's the one who's supposed to be the head of this household. She's supposed to be leading the house. And I, he told me that my whole life growing up. Wow. Yes. So I have these ideals like very much instilled. Like, sorry, Boucha, I will be the leader. I will be, if there is a leader, if it's not just like a partnership, right? Like I've kind of settled yeah. on a partnership, but yeah. if it's not like, I'll be the one making the hard decisions. I'll be the one figuring it out. I will be the one <laughs> making the best decisions for us, working for us. <laughs> so... The best decisions? <laughs> not even just the decision, the best ones. The best ones. They will be well, the best. You okay. Will... <laughs> Oh, you kind of like it too. <laughs> I love but it. Yeah. You know what? I will say this about, I think specifically black men, maybe this is not exclusive to black men, but that's who I've had the most uh, emotional proximity to. Mm-hmm. I think black men are able to leverage patriarchy in a way that other people don't or can't because they simultaneously get to expect so if your dad which are and this is not no it's like take it outside of your father even though I'm going to use that as an example but let me know mm-hmm. if I like cross the boundary but in that example that you gave your dad gets to say your mom was the quote-unquote head of the household so she was cleaning, she was taking care of y'all, taking care of the bills, making the decisions. She's doing all this labor, mm-hmm. which is right under the definition of, quote unquote, a woman's p- place um, as patriarchy defines of like doing all this extra labor. Mm-hmm. And so if she were, because I noticed in your speech, I don't know if he said this, he said other things to you, but he wasn't saying like, she makes these decisions and I support her on this. He was saying she should be doing this extra labor. It sounds like it. Mm. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think I, that's you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just think that patriarchy makes women just like labor horses, emotional labor horses, intellectual labor horses, but also physical labor horses. Cause I'm sure in all that, yeah, that's just, that's a lot of different jobs. That's just more labor. Right. And are you, is he going to be there behind her reinforcing like, okay, you can't handle this. I got you. Is, is that what he means? I think my dad was more so, I think you're absolutely correct in mm-hmm. wanting her to do more and demanding more from her. And that was his way of taking jabs at my mother because he mm-hmm. didn't think she was good enough. Um, um, as a mother, essentially, yeah, but not doing any action himself, like not taking mm. it upon himself to do anything. 
to cook. Yeah, and I and I think that's right. where men get to occupy space of like, hey, you are mm-hmm. supposed to do this. This is your womanly duty. Meanwhile, it's like, listen, my God, you two are a human being. You two have to eat. You two would like to live in a clean environment. Hop to mm-hmm. it. Make it yeah. happen. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it that so way. It's such a good point. Yeah. 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 All right. Did you? Yeah, we answered the question. Yeah, okay. six. Next question is Dr. Patricia Hill Collins' book, Black Sexual Politics, discusses the theme. Oh, wow. Maybe we just started, already started on this, but mm, Dr. Did. Patricia Hill's, yeah. Dr. Patricia Hill Collins' book, Black Sexual Politics, discusses the theme of Black masculine ideas about Black men and how they create even more hierarchies of desirability based on body type. What does it mean to be desired by a Black man as compared to a man of a different race? Do you place a greater value on their opinion and preferences? Mm. This is so good. Black men slash Black masculine identified folks. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, so... I definitely agree that black men create hierarchies. And I think this is kind of based off, this is more referring to, yeah, of course, desirability. And it's based off what, from my experience, uh, black masculine folks have different preferences compared to um, other race other races Mm. and Mm. so I think specifically in American culture Mm. black men are idolized yeah I'm gonna say like yeah like black famous men especially um Mm. what's coming to my mind a lot is like music videos and there's certain like backup dancers or the main um women that they have that are like the most desirable you know the one in the video um Mm -hmm. and they are completely different from what you see in uh majority white like magazines uh movies and stuff like that and so it is i do different um it is a hierarchy um and then what does it mean to be desired by a black man as to as compared to a man of a different race it does feel different for Mm. me specifically I want to say I'm often fetishized by white men but black men that admire me or desire me look at me more as a human being and not some like experience so it i prefer to be desired by black men if they desire me just because the oh i want to say i know i'll have a better experience like i know that i will be treated with more respect as a person Mm. yeah yeah 
do I place a greater value on their opinions and pref- preferences? Yes, absolutely. I do. Um, because, and I specifically remember this being in college. Uh, I was at like my high school weight for a really long time. I could not uh, put on weight. Bec- but during that time, and still to this day, I felt that there was a shift or maybe I just kind of during that time frame um, where men, especially black men, were desiring like very curvy, very um, hourglass figure type women. And mm. your bitch was a stick. And, it was- <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. I just want hips. You know? Like the whole time. And uh, only because you said it like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean it's a joke. joke. Um, Yeah, something I had to learn as I got older is like no one ever like feels a hundred percent comfortable. Like there are always things I know everyone's body that you always want to change. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's always something. It's always it's always something, and that is by design. Because exactly. the answer is always like, just buy this thing and exactly. you will feel whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me trying yeah. to get like, some butt implants or something. Mm, I've looked at some things myself. <laughs> I've looked at some things myself, so I get it. Always. So, yeah. Always yeah. yeah, I just felt undesired for a long time by Black men. So mm. I, was, I was valuing their opinions more. I've, I've grown out of that though as I've gotten older do you think it would be different for you if your mother was black and your father was white so then white men would be your point of reference not to be weird no 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 okay thank you um oh so are you kind of um asking about in the vein of uh women usually look up to their fathers and right date their father will date someone that is no. like their fathers. Yeah. No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say because like their fathers. No, yeah, I know what you mean, but you never man, people are weird. So Yeah, they are. Yes. You're right. You yeah. know, they date someone similar to their father. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, that would have been really so actually <sighs> I don't know if we want to go down this road, but okay. So in my mind, I have two fathers. I have my oh. grandfather. Oh, and yeah, I mean, I say that to be sweet, but honestly, like my grandfather was 37 when I was born. Are you serious? I didn't realize he yes. was that young. Yes. He may have been 38. Um, oh, because your mom was at 17 and he had her at like 20, 21. 20. Exactly. Exactly. So still very young, very respected. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents while my parents were working or just Mm -hmm. literally living their lives as children because they were children Mm. when they had me. So I spent Mm. a lot of time with my father and my grandfather. So I Mm -hmm. think the reason why I do kind of have this weird ping pong is because of that, that relationship. Oh, wow. How insightful. Okay. But then there's also the added layer of me dating older men. That's real. Because, and they're usually the older men are white. Um, Sometimes they're black, but 
because now I'm at a point in my life where like I would never date anyone my grandfather's age because he's like 60 and it feels so much older but even though it's only 37 38 years older than I am now um but like I do go for older men because their maturity level just makes more sense Uh, uh. and I think that's because of where my grandpa was at in his life compared to where my father was at in his life very interesting child at 17 you know yeah yeah Yeah. so interesting yeah wow that makes me reflect on how my attraction has been shaped okay um I think that I think there is more space I think black men and black masculine folks, there's more space for me to be desired as I am now mm-hmm. and to, to genuinely be desired as in like sexually, but also like at least to some extent me as a human being. But also there's a lot of baggage and expectation that come along with that too, because uh, a lot of black women are, I don't say this in a a judgmental way, but are just like labor horses for Mm -hmm. Black men. So Mm -hmm. along with that comes this expectation of just doing a lot of extra labor, emotional labor, physical labor, just like a lot of labor. So part of me has a resistance to, to, to deeply partnering with Black men because of that I've just seen the life force be be, uh, squeezed out of black women because they are ultimately doing just so much work so Mm -hmm. much work Um, and so it is easier for me I'm necessarily proud of this but it's easier for me to connect romantically when I do partner with men with brown men because there's the commonality of us both being brown, even though I'm black, Mm -hmm. but I get to negotiate more of the expectations about what role I play. Mm. And and there's not necessarily as much of an expectation, or if there's this expectation of like, hey, in my culture, women do that, then at least I have the, well, I'm not from your culture to lean back on, even though I would never say, say it like that, but Mm-hmm. I have that space to negotiate that I don't have with black men because right. it's always easier to go back to the like we're in this together we're trying to overcome this you know we're you know trying to survive in this anti-black you know society and that's beautiful but it could be uh, weaponized right and then mm-hmm. with white men it's very much like you said this kind of fetish fetishization thing This, uh, like, I would like to experience you, not so much as a full human being, but as, like, oh, my God, like, the the Black and Forbidden or the Black and, I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, uh, definitely dehumanized, but sometimes placed on this pedestal of, of, uh, sometimes other is exalted. So sometimes it's a mixture of like, wow, I'm fascinated, but also that fascination ultimately lies in like, 
me not fully seeing you as a human being. Mm -hmm. So me personally, I have dated white men, but never, no, I have went on dates with white men, but never dated a white man because ultimately I come back to like, okay, I cannot be in emotional proximity to somebody and be dehumanized. Like that's just too, too damaging for me. Right. That's a type of harm I'm not open to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing that you just know, you're like, I don't even have to date you to know what's going to happen. Well, I, we have some conversations and people will tell you quick. Facts. (laughs) And yeah, I think once you start to cast a pattern, you're like, or no, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is smart. That is smart. And I, I definitely agree with you that black men do just have these crazy expectations yeah 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 even if it's little stuff like oh come bring me lunch or come over my house after work even though it's like so much money it just yeah i was like nah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so much labor so much labor right yeah this last guy I, I dated for like a hot two seconds like i would always cook I would not go over to his house because he did not clean it, which was like warning flag. Should have broken up with him then, but it's me. So you went over there and found out, or you just knew based off of of, of, on other stuff. No, I went over there and found out. Asked him to clean it three, four times. Had all the excuses, so I just said, "Cool, we're gonna be at my house." Um, But then, like, I would always cook and stuff for us, and he would complain. Not, I'm gonna say complain because I found it irritating. But yeah. always have a comment on what I made, like, oh, well, there's yeah. not enough pasta sauce for the pasta. And I'm like, Fuck have you, you ever cooked me anything? Have you ever cooked anything? No. Go buy some food, little bitch. Thank you. Uh, I work hard. <laughs> no, <I'm> right? <laughs> right? But you still ate it, though, didn't you? Yeah, didn't exactly. You? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this. It's just like the audacity. Hmm? exactly like who are you the audacity exactly oh. yeah. Yes. yeah i am with you yeah. um oh i guess to answer the last part of the question i think because in the black community there was more space made for me to be seen as desirable just off rip i think i probably do place a little more um uh value on that yeah probably a little more yeah i gotcha yeah Yeah. same yeah thank you so much for listening today's discussion was based on the study guide we created for this podcast the study guide is free and if you would like access the link is included in the show notes